things girlfriends share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? Welcome to Girlfriend It with Patty Lynn Wyatt and the Girlfriends. Today, we are talking about she's got the wrong with a question, uh, especially now with you know, being in our, are trapped in our homes with decision fatigue. What do I do? Where do I go? Uh, we are all capable of marrying the wrong person for us. Uh, I don't know, maybe our expectations are bliss every day, but sometimes there truly are couples who have this deep seated incompatibility. And how does that happen? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How in the world does that happen? Because, I mean, I'm pretty much perfect, you know? I mean, ah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so how in the world do you fall in love with this person and then later on you realize, you know, they pick their underwear out of their buhaini, they wear walk around in black socks, and then they don't pick up their black socks that are all over the floor. Uh, what happens here? How does this happen? And what do we do with this information? Well, I think we also have to say, am I walking around pulling my underwear out of my buhaini too? <laughs> so I, I think it goes both ways. I think the longer you're with somebody, the, the more relaxed you become with your personal hygiene habits. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things... Um, I love to do in some of my coaching classes with, uh, especially when they're dealing with marriage and conflict, is have them write a list of everything, like their dream person. At least try to come up with 20 things. And and so I think it would be good for us to do that one of these days. 20 things that you just, you really are looking for in a mate. And then you do this and you're like, yes, I want this and I want that. and. Uh, then you go, okay, now circle how many of those traits or attributes that you're bringing to the table. You know, are you being kind? Are you, um, you know, doing your quiet time and putting Jesus in the center of your relationship? Like all these things that you want them to do, how are you showing up? And so, Debbie, I love that. Yeah, are you pulling your underwear out of your buhaini? What? <laughs> How do you show up? What's your brand? <laughs> well, yeah, you, you can't attract a person that you currently are not. So if you want to attract a certain kind of person, you have to start being that person. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it, it goes both ways. Um, so it's a great, that's a great um, thing to do. Um, Christette, yeah, you should make a list of all the 20 things that, you know, <laughs> that, you, that you want to be. <laughs> and, then, and, and then we'll, lock, we'll look at it and, and, you know, see how that's going for you. <laughs> Well, you know, um, I think that's a really good idea. But, you know, one uh, thing that sometimes Dan will do is like, you sound like your mother or Judy. And, I, and you're like, and it's the tone. I'm, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Why is, that, why is that? Why is that? Patty's got some freezing up stuff going on right now. Um but I think in the beginning, Patty um, froze up for a second. Today is all about she's got the wrong guy. I think it, it paused right at after wrong. So people are probably wondering, what in the world? Does she have the wrong what? Underwear? <laughs> <laughs> she's got the yeah, wrong maybe guy. leaning in then. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like there's three significant, like, pivotal points in your life. And one of them is experiencing Jesus, like when you have that relationship with Christ. And the other one is who you marry. I feel like this can make or break you. Mm -hmm. And the third one is what is your legacy? Like what are you leaving you know, here behind on this earth? And so if those are the three most significant things that you do, what 
what are you doing? And and I guess talking to uh, women that are divorced or maybe you're a, a single woman and you've never been married, what are you doing to lean into that and make sure that you're not marrying the wrong guy? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, how, so, how did we know? Yeah. Well, you know, I want to preface something really quick, though, because um, for those gals that are single, you know, and marriage maybe isn't in their future, it's not it's not our identity. So we don't ever want to make marriage our identity. Our identity is in Christ and Christ alone. And some of us are chosen to be single and it's okay. You get to do great things, you know, as a single woman or man, you know, um, but if, if God has chosen, um, a man for you, uh, there are some great tips to making sure that we are marrying the, the right man for us, because it's a journey. It's a, a team effort. You know, and and it's I always remember one of the first Bible studies I took um, because I was a new believer when I married Dan. And that was probably what um, intrigued me because he was a believer. And I knew enough to know that I wanted someone to share the same um, love for Christ as I did. Um, And he did. Um, But uh, hmm, where was that going? Well, you were a new believer, and you were really excited to, uh, to oh, date Dan. Did you date some wrong guys before you uh, met him? Um, I did. I totally lost my train of thought there. So sorry. <laughs> we were following. We were following the track. It's okay to go down two tracks at but, our age. I want to hear about some of the losers you had, Krista. Yeah, tell about the losers. Why? Why were they losers? Well, because I looked for love in all the wrong places. I mean, that song definitely fit my. Um, uh, lifestyle at the time. I, um, I wanted to be loved so badly. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel the love from home and I didn't have confidence in myself. And so I thought men could fulfill that loneliness mm-hmm. that I also felt. And so, um, so when you do that, you compromise yourself. And so I did, um, I did have a boyfriend in high school, that I loved and he broke my heart over and over again. So he would break up with me, go out with this other girl. And mm-hmm. then as soon as I got out on a date, he'd come right back mm-hmm. and then he'd break up with me and go back out. And so I, I put up with that way too long, you know, because I wanted him to love me so badly. You know, I couldn't imagine somebody else truly loving me and, and he didn't love me. I mean, did he really love me? I mean, that's not how you treat someone. Yeah. So, you know, so I learned, um, and you know what else is, um, I felt protected, even though I look back now, I can see the protection during the, during it, I did not, but I, you know, I did know enough to know that, okay, you've got to stop. This, this is a bad pattern. You are the only one that can stop this. And then I actually went into a really bad relationship. That was a very abusive relationship. And it, it again, I, I I literally ran away from him. I ran to Northern California. And so I broke up with him before I met Dan, but that was part of me leaving because he just would not let me go. And I knew enough to know that at least this, there's a lot of red flags here. I'm not going to get, cause he would do that. Um, um, Oh, what is it? Gaslighting that, is that what they're all calling that now? You know, where, You know, they say all the right things and you you fall into this trap of like, oh, that must be true. He does really love me. And then their actions don't follow through, follow suit with that. I'm so thankful that I did not become one of those victims of an abusive marriage because I I did. I ran. I ran. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think a lot of men have the classic abuser, even if they're not physically abusing you. Um, my, my last husband, I always hate to say that. It sounds so awful, but <laughs> my last husband, before I black widowed him, um, you, you know, he would always say things like, um, Oh, I love you the way Christ loved the church. Really? Cause I don't think Christ loves the church, you know, uh, looking at, uh, porn and, and doing other things. I don't pretty sure that's not how Christ does it, but mm-hmm. he would say these things and then do something awful. And then say, oh, my gosh, I am so sorry. I love you like Christ loved the church. I want to be a better man. I want to do this again. And every time I'd be sucked right back in again. Mm, so, yeah. And I know when I was, um, what made me uh, in the beginning at 19 years old, somebody asked me to marry him. 
I didn't even know him that well, but I was scared to death that nobody else would ever ask me. Okay. And I mean, look at me. That's so ridiculous. But I was <laughs> <laughs> very worried. It is ridiculous. Yeah, it is totally yeah. But, yeah, I, and I went for it, and I had, it, it, similar to Chris Dent, I had been on my own since I was 16 years old. Divorced family, mom was gone, then dad moved away, and I'm in my own apartment at 16 years old, and I desperately wanted somebody to take care of me at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I remember I'm thinking back of dating, uh, so a couple things that were always, like, forefront in my mind dating. Um, I was a good date. Uh, I would laugh at all their jokes. Uh I thought everything they did was wonderful. Everywhere we went was awesome. They were great. I would ask them all the questions about themselves. I listened to all all about themselves. I was a great date. That was number one. Um, And so I'm like, they were lucky to go out with me because I was going to make sure they had a great time and Mm -hmm. I had a fun time. Mm -hmm. Then I started noticing, like, sometimes when I would go out with people, um, my my confidence was too much for them. And so uh, I didn't like who I was around them. Uh, I was too outgoing. I was too bubbly. I was laughing too much. I was too giddy. I was too this. And so I would start kind of morphing and changing based on who I was. At the end of the evening, I'm like, you know what? Hmm. I don't really like who I am when I'm with you. I mean, I kind of like shut down. I kind of try to not be quite myself. And that was a real red flag for me on several, several guys I would date. They're like, wow, you, um, you're really outgoing. (laughs) Wow. Uh, You know too many people you are. I'm like, Ooh, so I would try to morph. I'm like, I don't think that's, I don't think you're good for me because I like I like when I'm outgoing and I know so many people. So, um, yeah, interesting. Like the more you would date, I would learn about myself and other guys and uh, what you know who they were. If they were super, you know, insecure. Um, I realized early on I could walk all over them quickly if they weren't strong enough. I'm like, whoa, whoa, that would not be good. Uh, sometimes uh, for a long time I was attracted to people who were just like me. I want them to be fun, just yeah. like me. Yeah. You know, and if they were not, I'm like, we will have nothing in common. So it took a lot of years and maturity to realize, no, you don't need someone just like you. Someone who balances you would be better. So yeah. uh, I had a lot of maturing to do over um, years of dating. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the wrong guy, and sometimes uh, they were the right guy the wrong time. So yeah, lots yeah. of lessons. That's such a Go ahead. Oh, you go. (laughs) Well, I was just saying, I was thinking of, of my husband that, uh, that's such a good tip. First of all, you do have to mature and figure out who you are. I think that's one of the number one problems as you go into marriage is we don't know who we are. Mm -hmm. So how are we going to know who that right mate, that right person that God intended when we haven't taken the time to really unpack some of, I mean, we know that our identity is, is in Christ, but who are we and what are we bringing to, to the table? Uh, I know one of the things that I loved about Kevin, I, I met him when I was 13 years old. So there was, you I a baby. what did you know at 13? You I know. <laughs> and that, that was the thing. I think we got through a lot of our junk during those years, you know, those teenage years that by the time we got married, it, we had unpacked all that junk, but the beauty of it was that he let me be me, not while we were dating. That's why we were breaking up every five minutes. But once he figured that out, that, you know what, Patty's going to be Patty. And I loved him for who he was. And I let him be him. Um, that there's beauty in that because you're not changing that person. You're not creating and you need to do this and you need to be that way. Uh, like you said, Sherry, when someone's saying you're too loud, you're too obnoxious, uh, Kevin would just roll his eyes. And I I appreciated that. He never tried to change me and go, you kind of need to calm down, Patty. Like <laughs> they're my friends. Don't yeah. don't be that embarrassing. But he would tease me like I don't think you were ever born with the shame gene. Like you, but he appreciated it. Like he would say it in a loving way. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to be 
Mm -hmm. said for that, not trying to change somebody because we can't, right? We're not going to change their behavior. Um, we can just change the way we respond to them. Yeah, I, and, I, would start, I would start testing guys just to see what they could take from me. I would put them in certain settings where I know everyone and you know no one. And uh, can you can you handle yourself there? Because I may not be talking to you the whole evening. And at the end of the evening, I'd see, hmm, wonder how you did with that. So uh, Buddy passed the test, um, you know, thankfully. Um, but, yeah, I had to start testing that because I realized that was a big, big piece of who I was. But I didn't realize that. Like, wow. I mean, I got to have somebody who's really self-confident or we're not going to make it. So, yeah, yeah let's test here and there along the way to see, you know, can you do it? Yeah. Well, I think that's a great idea, but unfortunately, I didn't have that confidence when I was dating. And I think there's that's what happens. If you don't have that same confidence like Sherry has had, which I love, and you can get, you know, it's 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 don't feel like it's something that is not part of you. It's mm -hmm. it is. You can find it, but I didn't have it. And so I see a lot of women who don't have that confidence either. And what they do then is they don't think good enough of themselves. Mm -hmm. And they compromise with men who they think love them enough to marry them. Mm -hmm. And then you're, you're compromising everything because they really don't love you. You just put them, you made them fit into this little, you know, genie bottle thinking that, oh, this will, this is the answer. And as soon as I get married, they're going to be better, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they're not because they're, they were flawed before you just try to adapt. And so I love that you use the word, um, enough, Krista, um, does he love me enough? Because that is immediately setting a lower standard for, um, yeah. what you're willing to accept in a man enough. What is that? You know, does he love me? Period. Mm -hmm. Does he love me enough? Does he love me more than my dad did? Does he love me, you know, more than the way I felt the way my mom treated me when I was younger? It should just be, does he love me? Period. And he should love you like Christ loved the church. But I think that is so hard. And the next verse is women, same thing. It's not just that one-way street, but um, it, it, there's so much um, beauty in that. When you love Christ, love your, your spouse the way Christ loved the church, that's a whole different love. Yeah. And I think, too, when you don't put everything on them— uh, it took me a while to to learn that. Once again, I think we, we learned a lot of that before we got married. But I have, my brother is my best friend. And through high school, we would stay up all night, like till five o'clock in the morning. And he listens to the show. So he's laughing right now. Uh, but I would then go with Kevin and he had to work early in the morning. So he would leave like at nine o'clock. And because he's, he's that stable guy that, you know, who knew that when you'd marry him, he was going to protect and support you rather than let's stay up till five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And so I would compare that and go, well, we're in a good conversation. What do you mean you're going to leave? And, and that was huge for me to realize they are not going to meet every single expectation. Mm -hmm. That's why God has wired us with a community of people and what I got from my brother and I still do, we probably talk, you know, daily, if not every other day. Um, it, 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 he's that twin, that, that person, like you said, Sherry, there's so much like you that it, they inspire you. They fill that, that area there. And then there's all these girlfriends that do certain things. But I think once we put all those expectation on our husband, you need to fulfill me. You need to stay up till five o'clock in the morning with me. You need to be a good girlfriend. You need to, you know, love me, adore me, pick me, choose me, all those things. At some point, they're like, can I just take out the trash? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and, why, and why do we, um, why do we accept less? Like I had a million red flags um, with, with Jim. I had a million red flags from the, from day one. I asked him if he was there with his family, and he said, no, I've never been married. And then I found out he'd been married many times. And, um, you know, just financially, the first date we went on, um, 
I happened to find out. I happened to look down, and it was his father's credit card. And he was, you know, 40 years old at the time. So, I mean, there was a million red flags. Wow. And um, why did you leave your previous wife once we got to the point that, you know, he had been married? Um, well, I left her for my secretary. Well, what about the next wife? Well, I left her for my secretary. I mean, there, I, I'm such, I cannot believe looking back that I didn't see, but I, I, he was so fun mm. and he was a lot like me mm. and I, my previous husband had been the opposite of me. And so mm. I thought, okay, this is what I need. And he's a Christian. Oh my goodness. The Lord just dropped, you know, manna from heaven in my lap. Mm-hmm. And I, I ignored that inner voice that said, Debbie, something is not adding up here. Something does not seem right. And 24 years later, I finally had to say, okay, yeah, something did not add up. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those red flags, what do we, what do, we do if, if you have those red flags? what we want to be able to do, right, is to ask your closest friends to go breathe wisdom into me. Mm-hmm. But instead, we don't want to hear the wisdom, right? Because, yeah. you know, they say it's the same um, chemical drip that's coming down from your brain as if you're on heroin when you're falling in love. So here you are having fun. You're getting this chemical drip, which is more infatuation than it is love, right? Mm-hmm. And so what would be the key here? What do I do with that? As as a girlfriend, as a mother, that we need to be aware of what we are saying to others. Like my mom, and I don't blame her at all because at the time she was right. Jim was very handsome. He was very fun. He was very kind and very sweet. And um, he was reading his Bible in church when my mother introduced me to him. I mean, everything a mother's dream would be for her daughter including the fact that he was the opposite of the other husband that had, you know, hurt me so bad. So I'm thinking that we also need to be so careful when we are talking um, and giving advice to others. Um, We are so quick as mothers, and I'm I'm guilty of it too. I couldn't wait for my daughter to get married, and then we're going to have children. So I think we as mothers encourage it to our boys and our our girls also like I shouldn't have gotten married till now because now I'm finally at a point where I know myself mm-hmm. and I what I really want what I don't want at 19 I ha- did not have a clue about anything yet you've got all these people saying when are you going to get married and your grandmother's you know sh- shoving stuff down your throat and giving you white hankies to use at your wedding day so I think that's mm-hmm. where we need to be careful yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what other amazing tips do we have? <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, what you said a minute ago, I think, Deb or Patty, um, having, the, having that community close to you to, like, here's this person I love or I'm interested in. I mean, what do you see here, too? That yeah. is that is a big, big deal. You know, they know you. They love you. They want the best for you. And you've got to be able to have some other perspective of this person in addition to yourself uh, because love is blind. And you want to see the best, hope the best, lead the best. Um, and you're really – that's why you want a community around you uh, – to help you uh, in times like that, because that's deep water. It's serious. You're going down, uh, you know, a very defined path and you need the counsel and wisdom of others. I remember when I was dating guys, sometimes I come to like, ah, I don't know. I go to like one of my pastors at my church, like, I don't know. I see this. What do you think? I don't know. They would kind of help me just kind of reframe and stop for a moment and go, all right, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. But you know, um, asking counsel and uh, wisdom from others was huge for me all along the way. Yeah, and listening to that voice, that still yeah. small voice that says, yes, but what about the fact that he's using his father's credit card? Is that a problem? <laughs> <laughs> and also my favorite, my favorite, favorite quote is, you may think that the grass is greener on the other side, but if you take the time to water your own grass, it really can be just as green. And how many times do we just say that? Oh, forget it. I'm just going to go find somebody else. This is not worth it. 
Yeah. Or where your thoughts are going. Like, you know, so often we think, oh, it's okay. I'm just thinking about this mm -hmm. and not realizing those thoughts when you're looking at this person and going, oh, that is much greener on the other side. And look at what he does with the kids and look at how he, you know, responds when he's in church, you know, mm -hmm. all those things, those thoughts become your actions, period. And so you can't be, like you just said in your quote, you can't be watering your grass here if you're continuously, your thoughts are elsewhere. Yeah. And uh, I, I have another quote from Zig Ziglar, which I, I love. Uh, I have no way of knowing whether or not you married the wrong person, but I do know that if you treat the wrong person like the right person, you could well end up having married the right person after all. It is far more important to be the right kind of person than it is to marry the right person. So in other words, all of that is to say, when we get married, we're putting your junk and my junk together. And how do we work this junk <laughs> literally, out? That's, literally. That's the way I like to look at, at marriage because you're not the perfect person and you're not going to marry the perfect person. So if you're looking for that perfect person, which I do think right now with social media, and the, you know, whatever, match.com, some of these, where you're trying to find that perfect guy, where you see these couples and they're strolling along the beach and they're carrying their perfect child and their pink ponytail bows and all of that. And you're like, oh, oh, rather than, okay, if, if it's pink ponytails, you want your, your husband to be carrying your child then put some pink ponytails on them. Whatever it is, do it where you are rather than always looking at everything else. Yeah, because well, it's just like, like you said, it's a slow fade. It's like that song by, I think it's Casting Crowns. It's a slow fade. You don't just all of a sudden have an affair. And I can attest to this because I did in my first marriage and I'm horrified by it now. But it started out as just conversations with a boss and then it's lunch with your boss. And then it's, wow, I'm going to start talking to my boss about my marriage because he's so understanding and he has so much wisdom. And then before you know it, you know, a few months later, you are traveling with this person or whatever. And it, it happens so quickly that you don't even see it coming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and, uh, you know, it takes work. I mean, marriage just takes work like anything else in your life, you know, training, uh, uh, dieting, uh, relationships, the marriage takes work and you almost have this false sense. It's on autopilot, like, woo, here we are, yeah. but it just takes constant work. And, uh, children are a distraction. Job is a distraction. Hobbies, a distraction. And it, uh, it's constant tending to it. And, and sometimes you don't, you know, you don't feel like working on it. I mean, you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. but, but that's when, you know, you're opening the door for the enemy to sneak in the back door and plant all those thoughts and you've got to grab it and realize it. Uh, so yeah, you know, so we've been married 32 years. We still work on it. We still have, we still have conflict. We still have good days. We have bad days. We have, you know, disagreements. We have, you know, silent treatment. We have all those things, but we have come to a place where we recognize it more quickly mm -hmm. and we are more quick to jump on it. And of course, you know, years of counseling, that always helps too. Uh, but you, yeah, you just, you can't just be on autopilot. You have this false sense that it's just going to be, we're married, but it's constant work on it. Yeah. Well, I know we're um, going to have our guest on in just a couple of minutes, but I want to talk about the fact that right now, while we're dealing with this pandemic, there are a lot of people struggling and we, we just want to encourage you to, to be able to talk to person. Like you said, Sherry, go get counseling because they're saying that several women in their midlife are leaning in to getting out mm -hmm. of their marriage. And almost 50% of first marriages end in divorce, 60% of second marriages, and 73%, which I don't know how they get that 3%, right, of the third marriages end up in divorce. So when we're looking at these kind of statistics, 
we, we definitely, and, and what it does to the family and uh, even Debbie, you've shared what it does during the holidays. I mean, it's, it's crazy yeah. what can happen if we aren't really engaging and like you said, Sherry, working at it because you can look at this marriage and see that it's lifeless and loveless, mm -hmm. but there is hope. There's amazing things that... And I am also living proof that the best tip of the day is, what if the next one's worse? <laughs> <laughs> At least you know what you're dealing with, with what who you've got now. But seriously, um, everybody's putting their best foot forward when, you, yeah. you know, when you're getting to know somebody. It just keep the, the old guy with the big beer belly and work it out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what what would be our best tips right now? Like one of them, we were talking about our moms, uh, what they shared with us. And I know my mom said, uh, you are interested and you are interesting. Mm -hmm. So uh, with that, I think that's a great tip, but we are going to introduce our next guest that we're so excited to have on our show today. And it's Dr. Depat Reju, and Dr. Depat, I hope I'm saying your name correctly, so uh, I'm, I'm good at really messing up names. Uh, but you're the- You did great. Uh, oh, what was that? You did good. You did great. Oh, awesome. You notice how I had to ask you again so I could hear it a second time. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, but it's Dr. Depariju, and he's the pastor of Biblical Counseling and Families at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. And uh, Dr. Reju, as soon as you say Capitol Hill in Arizona, uh, we lean in. So yeah. just saying we're, we have high expectations of what's going to come out of your mouth. And you're also the author of several books and articles, including Great Kings of the Bible, the pastor and counseling and on guard preventing and responding to child abuse at church, which I know we don't have time to hit all these topics, but I would love to either have you back or um, unpack some of that as well, because uh, wow, is that ever a topic we, we really just don't dive into. Uh, but welcome, welcome, welcome. And we are going to talk about your book, She's Got the Wrong Guy. <laughs> How in the world did you even think of writing this book? Well, so I'm a pastor of a congregation of 900, half of whom are single. Mm. So we have a couple of hundred single folks, and DC tends to attract a lot of single people. Single yeah. girls, did you hear that? Everybody moved to DC. <laughs> well, we're happy to have them come and join us. Uh, but uh, it was it was one particular situation where um, a, a godly single woman in our church started dating an unbelieving guy, and it just completely threw me off. Mm -hmm. What, how did we even get here? Uh, like, what are you doing? Because you know better than to do this. Like, what, why are we even going down that road? So I started looking around just to find, like, a definitive chapter that says, do not date the non-Christian guy. Um, and uh, I found, I mean, the best I could find was a, a really long blog post by Melody Green. Um, but I couldn't find anything else. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I thought, all right, well, I'm going to ask the publisher I've worked with, what do you think? So I entered in because I asked a few friends, and they said, oh, well, you need to add the promiscuous guy, you know, the angry guy, you need to add the, the, you know, the church guy who says, oh, yeah, I'll go to church. I'm a Christian. Yeah. Um, yet he hasn't been to church in like five years, 10 years, 20 years. Um, well, I emerged from the meeting with the publisher, and they had come up with a list of five or six more categories and said, if you write it, we'll, we'll publish it. So I did. Um, and it really was the hardest thing I've ever written because uh, I'm a guy writing to an audience of women. Yeah. And did you feel like, I mean, because I would think as not only as an author but as a man, you've got to kind of put yourself in some of those. Yeah those uh adjectives oh yeah well and 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 i mean i i counsel a good portion of my week 
And, you know, in our society, um, single women and single men are very mobile. So they're living pretty far from home. Mm -hmm. um, and then you picture a single woman in a big city, far from any spiritual influences in her life. You know, she's got a really big decision. She's going to go to a godly woman or two she knows. She's going to go to her friends. But in our congregation, we try and keep a very open door for single women to come talk to their pastors. Yeah. Um, so I get lots of conversations where they say, should I be with this guy? Like, what should I do? Like, is he a jerk or is he a godly man? I just, I just don't know. Help me out here. I get lots of those conversations. Totally strong, though, because when you've got, if I've got a girlfriend that's super excited about a guy, and I know, or she's even told me that he's had some issues in the past or issues now, how do you keep, how do, how do you keep from crushing somebody? And what do you mean by crushing? As in, if somebody's really wrapped around a guy and yeah, she really wants asking, it to work? But they're also asking for your advice. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, well, it, it helps a lot if they trust you um, and they, they trust your opinion because they're coming to us because they really want to know what we think. They, they don't want us to, like, beat around the bush. Now, they want it to work out, but there's a big difference between a 22-year-old who is really open to lots of possibilities mm -hmm. and a 39-year-old who thinks this is her last chance. Wow. So... You know, I'm going to be very sensitive with the 39-year-old <laughs> in a way in which the 22-year-old, if I say, no, he, he's not the kind of guy you want to be dating, she's like, okay, I'll drop him. Yeah. yeah. Versus the 39-year-old will be, oh, my goodness, but this is my last chance ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll have to say, you know, I, I'm going to walk with you through this, but you don't – and I, I have the benefit – I do lots of marital counseling – I have so many testimonies of when it goes bad on the other end mm -hmm. that I can say, you know, he, he might seem like a decently kind guy, but, and he's paying attention to you in a way that a lot of other people are not, but he doesn't care about church. He doesn't clearly understand what the gospel is. Uh, and he's only doing this right now to really get into your life. Yeah. So it sounds like you have great insight that women um, don't always necessarily get from their girlfriends because you're coming at it from a men's perspective. I'm I'm a mom of you know three boys and you know and I'm married and uh, you know the perspective that the men have was very different than what women have. I mean I my eyes have opened up tremendously by my husband. You know so. Um, so can you elaborate a little bit how you were able to step into that role as to identify yourself with the women as we um, are dating and, and how we feel and what we're unfortunately sometimes looking at the wrong things in the wrong men? Well, the easiest way, and I, I mean, this line comes out quite often when I'm counseling a, a single woman in a dating relationship, of which, you know, I've got multiple... Um, single women from our congregation who come to me to have conversations, um, that uh, the line often spills out like, well, if if you were my daughter, because I'm a father of three girls. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm, 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 the standard I'm going to hold up for them is the same standard I'm going to hold up for my girls. Um, I, I, I don't want anything less than a godly man who understands the gospel, who will give himself over, who is humble in his disposition and teachable, who's committed to a local gospel preaching church. And, you know, I can, I, I'm not going to go a long list, but there's a few basic things I want to see in a guy. And, you know, granted, I was, I mean, I'm about to turn 51 tomorrow. Oh, uh, birthday. So I, I was a 20-year-old stupid young guy Yeah. Uh, many years ago. I made lots of dumb mistakes. So I'm, I'm not trying to help hold up such a high standard that a girl could never date. Uh, I'm not expecting her to marry the quality of a, like a 60-year-old like mature pastor. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. But there's certain basic in ingredients like a commitment to the gospel and humility mm -hmm. that if you got that, then we can, we can follow a trajectory that will grow over the course of years. Um, I, but, I find that interesting because um, – I I did go for that 
in my, and now as soon as I say this word, you're going to go, oh, okay, now I get her. In my last marriage, um, I, I, I went for the, the man that was in church reading his Bible Wednesday night, Sunday night, in the choir, um, totally appeared to be a most committed Christian man, and that didn't work out either. So I think I got so wrapped up in the, um, the spiritual aspect of his life and really not looking into who he really was in his spiritual life as opposed to the outside appearance. Yeah. Well, that's a, it's a, it's a great question. Because if I got to talk with you longer, there'd be questions I want to ask. Like, for example, I'm in so many people's lives helping them sort through this because we often talk about don't date in isolation, date in community. Uh, so I would want to know, were there several men who you really trusted who were able to say, no, he's legit, or no, here are the issues you need to know walking in. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm... That's like the Bachelorette right now, where the the, um, the guys are trying to tell the Bachelorette, hey, you don't see what he's doing in the house. Like, you don't know well, what it's like outside, <laughs> outside of Well, here. yeah, no, and so my, my nickname has, my nickname given after I wrote the book and by friends now, my name's D. Pack, but they started calling me D. Harmony. Uh, <laughs> I'm in there so often at conversations with guys and gals just to help them sort through it. And I'll, I mean, I'll be brutally honest early on to help them understand, like, what are you What are you hitching yourself up to? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if you understand his weaknesses and his sins, rather than just the shining armor strength, <laughs> um, then you, you you got a better understanding of what you're tying yourself to. Um, okay, so tell us, Dr. DeHarmony, um, in your book, you actually address that, like the contemporary dating, and, and I, I can't even comprehend, you know, all this matchmaker.com, what they're dealing with now. What, what is some of your advice? And I, I just want to recommend go and run and get this book. She's got the wrong guy. But what do you have to say when somebody's coming to you on this contemporary dating advice? Yeah, I mean, it, there's so many different angles to contemporary scene right now because, you know, the, the culture is confusing us on what marriage is. Mm. Um, and, and then on the other side of it, like you, this generation has got to deal with technology in a way that previous generations have not. Mm -hmm. uh, so something as simple as like, Oh, my Instagram and Facebook account, if the guy's liking it so much, uh, you know, does that mean something? Yeah. <laughs> but he hasn't had to come talk to me yet. Like, he posts something every time I post something. Yeah. Is, you know, you can begin to read into that, like, oh, is there something there? Um, versus an old-fashioned, like, the guy comes up to you after service and has a real conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, so technology, and this is where I've had to scold guys, saying, don't just text and email the girl and get her to open up all of her heart to you and not like sit down and have a, a real relationship with her. Yeah. yeah. You know, in the old days, we would ask her out for coffee, sit across from her and have a real conversation. Mm -hmm. Now you relate to her through TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, texting. So the online technological world creates a whole different dimension yeah. that can create a lot of confusion even before you have a real relationship with a guy. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I I have a bunch of college girls that are I do life group with and they'll literally drop the guy because they left them in red. They're like, "Oh, he left me in red. I I disconnected him or I unfriended him." And I'm like, "They left you in red?" Wait, no. What does leave in red mean? It it means they didn't respond to their comment, so they haven't uh... read it yet. So it's either unread, red, and oh, if they right. leave you in the red, okay. then yeah, they're not responding. So it's like, wait, because the guy had to work all day and isn't isn't allowed to have his phone with him, you know, in this Snapchat world, uh, yeah, they'll just delete them off of their chat. And it, but you're right in your advice because it's like, if you like this person, go have coffee with them. Don't don't expect that. You know, if you leave them in red, they're going to delete you. 
Yeah. And I yeah. think they fall in love with the image that they see with the filters, with everything else. When you sit across somebody at Village Inn with a cup of coffee, you can tell if she's still got nose hairs coming out. You can tell if she chews with her mouth open. And you're not seeing all that on, on yeah. Facebook and Instagram, that's for sure. Yeah. So no. that's got that contemporary thing down. Yeah, so, I mean, between... Um, between the front end of that and then all the other part of this is, you know, with as many singles that we have, we got to help them sort through, get through the final stages and decide, do I break up with this guy? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the same things apply. Like, for example, don't, don't text him. I'm done with you. Or don't just uh, unfriend him and never talk to him again. Give him yeah. a whole shoulder. Uh, no, like, go have a conversation with each other and treat each other like image bearers and Christians. Mm -hmm. uh, like, treat each other. So I have to actually say, don't break up over texting or email. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you need to go have a real conversation with the person. Um, show the, the respect that they deserve. So, you know, it's not just the front end. It's like the back end that you're guiding them and thinking through, what does it look like to have um, a, a relationship now in the 21st century? Yeah. Yeah. And what does that look like? Yeah. What, uh, you know, what does that look like? What does it look like now? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I mean, there are going to be some common elements that I think are you're not going to be surprised by. Like, well, we want to build a relationship with each other. Now, you know, I'll, I'll give you my four-quarter analogy. This is kind of a guy thing, but everybody goes for it just fine. Um, I, I think it looks like four quarters, and you think of the different quarters of a football game. First quarters get to know you. Second quarter is getting more experiences and deeper conversations. The line between third and fourth quarter is when you're both convinced that you should marry one another. And then fourth quarter, then you're basically doing all the socially compulsory things you must do in order to get the ring on the finger. Um, and the end of the game is getting the ring on the finger, which is like fourth quarter, if you haven't done it already, then you go visit each other's families because you got to get that checked off um, before you, you get married. Um, yeah. But... You know, I'm just not looking for a lot of time together. Uh, I mean, I can send you later. I, um, the thing that's gone much further than my books has been uh, a document I wrote uh, just as a um, called uh, So You Want to Get Engaged. Uh, and I have 12 categories of things I think couples must talk about before they get married. Uh, and I, I just, there are 12 Fs, you know, like faith, past foolishness, finances, their future together, and just a couple other things like that. I think there are couples who don't have some really hard conversations yeah. Yeah. before they get engaged, before they emotionally attach one another. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. How do you feel about the statement, don't date anyone you wouldn't marry? Oh, I love that statement. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what, what, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not up for recreational dating. Um, I, I, like, I, I really want them, I really want them to be sure that they are, um, entering into this with a, a an eye towards, I'm going to marry you or not. Mm -hmm. Like I'm entering in considering that you are someone I could spend the rest of my life with, though I don't know yet. Mm -hmm. That's why we're in it to figure this out together. Yeah. And as soon as I know that you are not possibly it, that I'm going to do the honorable thing and end it as soon as possible, right. but do it in a respectful way, do it in a way that honors you. So other people know I'm not doing anything to degrade you do it in a way that other people would admire how we handled it. Yeah. 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 So the Seinfeld, uh, it's not me, it's you. Is that a, an appropriate response to a breakup? Sorry. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> well, it, it, it could be, so, you know, this is my counseling side. Um, if a guy is steeped in pornography, he should not be dating her. Mm -hmm. um, like, he needs to deal with that first because he's not ready to get married. Um, if a gal has a severe eating disorder, like anorexia right now, like, she's not ready to handle the pressure of dating and also deal with that eating disorder. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I want to leave room for there are times when that is the case. Um, where they're not ready for it, um, sometimes it's just immaturity. Yeah. Uh, there, there's just some, there are some um, folks who are not spiritually mature enough to take the responsibility of marriage just yet. 
Yeah. And they spend some more time growing in their relationship with Christ before they take the responsibility for someone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a we had a young guy who got wonderfully converted to Christ out of a really difficult past, um, and went to our senior pastor because he was really interested in a really godly woman in the church. And this was early on after he got converted, and the senior pastor said, "You need to wait six months, focus on your relationship with Christ." And then after six months, maybe we can talk about it. Six months to the day, he had that conversation. He showed up again and said, now can I start? Uh, Wow. um, So why is it so hard? Why why can we not, even though we know that, and this is, you know, great wisdom, but then we fight it. Are we just, because we're so wired to be loved, and do you think it's harder for women than it is for, for men to take that kind of advice? Well, you know, um, it is hard because we live in a technological society that is so isolating. Um, We live in a society where people have termly superficial relationships without much depth. Um, We live in a society like with COVID right now where people, tons of people are isolated. Um, We live in a society where you, you don't do the hard work that's necessary to connect in your own local church. And I'm just not talking about ladies. I'm talking more so about the young men who don't show the maturity yeah. in building healthy relationships and getting discipled by older godly men who can help them figure out what is good and wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm much more concerned about that than I am about the young women, about the young guys who are like uh, not growing in godliness and not ready for their, the, to take on a relationship. It's, it's hard because we don't have pastors who teach about this who get invested in this. So there are lots of singles who are on their own trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've got lots of, in a much more mobile society, lots of singles who are spending more time having conversations with other singles mm-hmm. than they are with older, wiser couples in their own congregation. Or even, I mean, Lord forbid, talk to your parents about it. <laughs> <laughs> to have actually a healthy enough relationship with your parents that you'd go to them for counseling and help and support. Um, and, you know, I want to be sympathetic. A lot a lot of singles to deal with come out of dysfunctional homes, and it wouldn't be healthy for them to go back to their parents. Um, but, uh, uh, I mean, I can, I can go on and down the list. There's a lot of reasons why it's hard. It's just not easy yeah. to do this on your own. And speaking of parents, uh, you've got three girls. Um, do they take your advice? Because you are obviously an author and an expert on this, or are you just some dad that doesn't really have a clue what he's doing when in there? Uh, well, I mean, uh, my girls are my girls are fourteen, twelve, and nine. Okay, so they're still young. So, so they're still young. But I did I mean the curse of having a father who wrote a book called "She's Got the Wrong Guy." <laughs> is that I told them, you know, when we do get to the stage where you're dating. Do not get to the second or third date without having that guy read the book. <laughs> <laughs> and then call me uh, yeah. after that. Because I'm not I'm not scared. Like let him get to know me. I mean yeah. I, spend, I spend lots of time getting to know young couples. Why wouldn't I do this for my daughters also? Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to be a guy that was dating one of your daughters for sure. <laughs> yeah. That'll yeah, be fun. Way too much. <laughs> They'll be fine. I'm 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 actually a a teddy bear at heart. <laughs> oh yeah, I can totally. we know that. I can see that, but I'm I'm not sure that a guy would. I remember the first time a guy came to my house that my dad didn't like. Uh, he answered the door in his tidy whities and uh, I just thought, okay, well that relationship is over now. He didn't have to say for <laughs> That, that's a good tip for all those fathers out there to um, scare them away with just your crazy weirdness. You don't have to come with a shotgun. Just, <laughs> just give yeah. them the book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so tell us if if you are talking to someone right now and they've been recently divorced for a year and now they're kind of dating the exact same guy again not not the guy that their ex-husband but they're dating what would what would you say to them i would say first i would say as your pastor i love you 
-hmm. So, and anything I'm going to say is because I'm in it for your good. Yeah. And I just want him to know that first before we have any hard conversation. I just want to reaffirm my commitment to them. And then I would say, are you doing it all over again? Mm -hmm. um, like, are, are, are we going down the same path? Mm. Um, now, I've got a real heart for divorcees, and I feel a special burden to help them work through the aftermath of what, what is, can be really difficult and sometimes very complicated, especially if there's children involved. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, more often than not, I mean, in helping out the divorcees in our congregation and the ones that I've ministered to in my life, often they've got a pretty acute lens for what they've been through. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they've got enough know-how to know, I've been down that road, I'm not going to do that all over again. That's been my experience yeah. in, yeah. in help, helping them out. They, they know enough history of their own life to not re, repeat the same kinds of classic mistakes. Mm -hmm. uh, but if, you know, if I did have one who was coming and they're going down the same road, I mean, I'm, I've got a shepherd's heart. Mm -hmm. I'm not scared to step in and say, I love you. Let's figure out why you're going down this road again and if this is a good, good idea. Um, and have the hard conversations. Right? Yeah. Because the hard conversations now, and there's, you know, partly they're selfish motives too, because I'm the one counseling them in their bad marriages. Um, wow. I've seen enough bad marriages to know, like, I got to do the hard work on the front end to help them not land in that, that position. Yeah. Yeah. What if they're already married and they come to you after reading this book and say, my husband's one of these. 10 top men you, you steer, you tell women to steer away from. What do, you, what do I do now? Well, come on in. <laughs> Both of you. <laughs> Let's get to work. Um, I mean, that, the other, that's the other thing we do. We, we help out a lot of hard marriages, mm -hmm. but we get into the trenches. And, and you know, you're, you're not coming to counseling for me unless you're, you're both a member of our church, typically. Um, so you've already committed to our congregation. You're already a regular attender. So like, come on in and let's let's help you out. Let's let's get into the trenches. It's not like we're not doing one or two counseling sessions. Like I'll be in the trenches with couples for years if I need to. Yeah. Um, so more churches you know, need I a, pastors like you. Yeah, I, I'll get in the trench with a couple for six months to a year to two years, mm -hmm. and then they're doing fine for a couple of years, and then they hit a hard season and they come on back. Well, great. Let's just, let's just keep going at it. Uh, and, you know, well, counseling in, in private practice right now, it's just ridiculously expensive. Oh, yeah. Is there a wrong guy that somebody might be married to or with that you are without question, this has got to, this has got to end, either it's a marriage or this has got to stop if they're dating? Well, I mean, there, there are a number of categories of guys where I would say, what are you doing? I mean, the unbeliever is the clearest one, because Scripture is so clear. First um, Corinthians seven thirty nine, like you should only marry in the Lord. Um, that's that's the main thing that you should be doing. But you know, there are lots of other categories. Like I put in the book what I call the control freak. Um, you know, you might you might see what you need to know is the signs of it when the guy needs to know where you are all the time when he doesn't let you have significant relationships with other women, when he's always checking on, on you, when he's demanding things of you. I mean, there's, he acts more like a, a dictator of a little kingdom, and that's not Christian. <laughs> yeah. I understand Christian leadership to be um, Christ giving up his life and, and coming to serve us, which means that's Ephesians 5.25 the call of Paul is on men to give over their life for their wife, mm -hmm. um, to give, that's a servant hearted leadership. Yeah. Um, yeah. so in, in that sense, like do not date the control freak. Do not date the promiscuous guy. Do not date the angry guy who is like exploding on you all the time. Don't date the control freak. Um, don't date the unbeliever. Don't date the guy who calls himself Christian but he hasn't been to church in like 10 years. <laughs> um, like, 
And I could go on down the list. There are categories where I'm going to speak out against it because I've seen the consequences later on if they, they stick with this guy. And what's really hard is they've emotionally attached themselves to this really unhealthy kind of guy. Mm -hmm. Then the war is not convincing them because intellectually convincing a woman to detach themselves when they're emotionally attached. Yeah. I, and that, that is like one of the hardest things on the planet. <laughs> Yeah. To be able to do. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, sorry, I, mean, I can go on and on in terms of the list of possible guys that are, that are there, but those are some examples. Yeah. Well, we just want, I can't say thank you enough. I, I would like to continue this conversation and I would like to have you back and talk about some of the abuse that takes place in the church. Once again, another topic we really don't talk about. Uh, but we just want to thank you today for being on Girlfriend It and for our listeners out there. It's an honor to be a part of your day. Go run and subscribe to Girlfriend It podcast. Uh, also, don't date anyone that you wouldn't marry and uh, grab it on Amazon. She's got the wrong guy. And thanks again. Thanks for, for, thanks for the time. Tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com. 